Well, good morning and welcome to Bridgewater. My name is Tim, and like Luke said, I am the campus pastor in Conklin, and uh, Matt is preaching in Montrose, and he will be back next week. So we just kind of did a big shifteroo. And so uh, since you guys don't know me, uh, I'll tell you a little bit about me and my family. My wife, Shana, and I, we've been married July. It'd be 15 years, and we have five kids. We have a, a full basketball team, but I'm pretty sure none of them will be a center, so we don't have that going for us. But uh, in December of 2021, we moved here and uh, we came on staff at Bridgewater and we've been seeing God do some incredible things. And it really is a, a pleasure and a joy to be here because every week I get to hear about what God is doing in each of the campuses. And every week I get to hear uh, Matt and David talk about what God is doing here in Halstead. And it's fun for me to be able to put some of those faces with those stories. And so I'm excited about being here. Uh, I love what God is doing in Bridgewater. I love what God is doing at our campus in Conklin. And I want to say it is a great day and a happy Father's Day but I also recognize that today is kind of like Mother's Day in that for some of you, it's not really a pleasant day. You know, for some of you, maybe you want to be a dad and you're not. Or for some of you, maybe your father has passed away or, or you're a dad that has lost a child. Or maybe there's an estranged relationship between you and your dad or between you and your kids. And so today brings some challenging times or some, some difficulty in your life and you're not thinking of it as a positive thing. But I would say, whether you have the legal title of dad or not, today is, is an awesome day. And maybe you're a grandfather, maybe you're an uncle, maybe you're just someone who, who plays a significant role in the life of, of our kids. And I just want to say thank you that um, there is reason to find joy in a day like today. And that is because we have an incredible, perfect, heavenly father and if you put your faith in Christ, he sees you. He has adopted you into his family. And so there is a God-given reason to find joy. And so we do want to celebrate dads. Hope you get to take advantage of some of the fun things that we have for you today. Well, in 2013, I was a youth pastor in Jamestown, New York, and I took a group of students up to Algonquin Park for what we called a wilderness trip. I took nine students and four leaders out to the middle of nowhere, and we canoed and hiked all throughout Algonquin Park. And so I had done this trip a few times, and I had another leader with me. He had done it a few times, and I thought, okay, between the two of us, we have a lot of experience, and there's probably no challenge that we can't meet head on. And so we took the group down to the lake and brought them down by the canoes and said, okay, here's some things that you need to know about canoes. Here's some things you need to know about carrying them and how to take care of them and how to paddle and how to, how to steer. And then we, we loaded up all these kids in their canoes, and off they went. And that trip, that first day was supposed to take five hours well, it took us 11 hours to get to camp. It was a terrible, no good day. And it was crazy because we got into camp and it was around 8 o'clock. It was getting dark and I was surrounded by a bunch of frustrated, hangry teenagers. 
I don't know if you've ever been around a hangry teenager, but that was us. And we just, we were so frustrated. We were so hungry. We just kind of rushed through the cooking process. And when our food was, was kind of done, it was burnt and crunchy. And it was, it was disgusting. You know, I was frustrated that day because, you see, my unspoken goals for that day and for that week was to connect with my teenagers, to have fun, to kind of paddle smoothly through those lakes and to have some, some laughs and some good times. And you see, that, those first few days, those were incredibly difficult. You know, as I was trying to teach these kids how to canoe and how to paddle, we had kids that were just zigging and zagging all over the place. One canoe was going sideways. One, I'm serious. One canoe was going backwards. There was a canoe that was just kind of going in circles. And I would paddle up to them, be like, hey, what's going on? How you doing? And let me help you out. Let me tell, me tell you what's going on. And let me give you some advice on what you're doing. Let me help you straighten out your canoe. And, and these kids were so frustrated because either they were way in the back or they were frustrated because we were getting in late. And I was frustrated because they were stopping and taking breaks and they were digging in their packs, reaching for food. And I just wanted to go. And it was a frustrating experience. And the thing was, you know, we didn't run into any storms. We didn't get lost. We didn't run into any wind. We just had a bunch of teenagers that couldn't paddle, couldn't steer, and wouldn't listen. And it was frustrating for me. In that moment, I had a different vision of how I thought that trip should go. And as I think back on that day on the lake, it reminds me a lot of, of life and it reminds me a lot of what parenting is. You see, I knew that these kids had a bunch of challenges. They had incredible challenges ahead of them. And I couldn't magically give them more skills. And I couldn't pull them out of those challenges. I couldn't remove the challenges from them. I couldn't just magically help them steer and canoe and paddle better. I knew they were going to have challenges on, on the lake and on the trail and working together and all of that. And so my question is, as a leader, how do I help these teenagers work through this trip? As a parent, how do I help my kids navigate their way through life? Because I can't prevent the challenges. I can't eliminate the struggles. And I can't just always jump in and rescue them. So as a mom, as a dad, as a parent, how do we help our kids learn from their mistakes? How do we lead them through those scenarios? Well, today we're going to talk about parenting. And we're going to talk about what is the goal or what are the goals of parenting? So if you have your Bibles, go to Galatians chapter 6. See, the truth is, you and I, we're on a journey with these kids. And they are in your canoe or they are in your canoe group. And for a while, you are going to be on this journey. Whatever that journey takes, you are in it. And so how do we set up goals that are helpful? Galatians chapter 6, Paul is writing to a church in Galatia and they are having some issues with rules and legalism and people want to add rules and they want to add rituals. And they want to add all these things to their faith and say, okay, you got to have Jesus plus this. And Paul's saying, no, it's none of that. 
It's all about you have all this freedom in Christ. And there are some incredible principles in this passage that apply to our lives, specifically parenting. Galatians chapter 6, we'll start reading in verse 1. Brothers and sisters, or maybe moms and dads, if, you, if someone is caught in a sin, you who live by the Spirit should restore that person gently. But watch yourselves, or you also may be tempted. Carry each other's burdens, and in this way you will fulfill the law of Christ. If anyone thinks they are something when they are not, they deceive themselves. Each one should test their own actions. Then they can take pride in themselves alone without comparing themselves to someone else. For each one should carry their own load. It's not about if sin happens or if mistakes happen in the lives of our kids, but it's about when it does, how do we respond? And and maybe you're here and you're not a parent. How do we respond to other people when they sin? How do we respond to other people when when they blow it, when they make a mistake? And Paul says, come along these people and help them, help them restore them. Do it with gentleness. See, as a dad, sometimes I I overlook, I overlook sin. And I wonder if you've ever done that. Sometimes I, I see what they're doing and I'm convicted by my own sin. I go, ah. I've sinned too. I've blown too. How can I even say anything about what they're doing? Or sometimes I'm, honestly, I overlook it because I'm lazy. I'm a lazy guy and I feel like I just don't want to deal with that in this moment. Let's just let that slide. Or sometimes I, I mess things up and I just come down and, and I'm, I'm hard on my kids. Sometimes we think, okay, it's our role to take a, a, the Bible or God's word or instruction and just hammer our kids and say, this is what you're doing wrong. This is what you're doing wrong. This is what you're doing wrong. And if we overlook it or we come down heavy on them, it's not helpful. Paul says, do neither of those. But the spiritual person, the person who walks by the spirit, they come alongside that individual and they love on them. You see, if you're going to be someone who walks by the Spirit, if you're going to be someone who's spiritual, it's really about loving Jesus. That as a mom, as a dad, I need to make it my goal, I need to make it my aim to love Jesus and just let that overflow in how I parent, how I walk alongside people. We have to come alongside our kids with gentleness. And so you think about goals The first goal or the first point is children need parents who love Jesus. Let me tell you this. There is no magical formula for parenting. And I say that because there are hundreds of thousands of books out there all in the name of Christianity and parenting telling you that there are seven steps to parenting or there are five ways to have a new teenager by Friday. And there is no magical formula. There's no money back guarantee that if you do A, B, and C that your kid will turn out to be a a noble person. So that's not this. But these are just some principles. How do I honor God? The first goal is I need to love Jesus. I need to be someone who comes alongside my kids with gentleness 
and restores them. And he uses the word caught. It's the idea of being snagged. I mean, imagine you, you find your kid caught or snagged in something. They're, they're caught in a, a bear trap. How would you help them? Would you do it with harshness? Would you be cruel? Would you be angry? Or would you come alongside them and do it gently? You see, because our kids, they are, they are caught or they are snagged in, in sins in, in different ways of thinking, in different habits, in different reactions, and their emotions are not always godly. And so their world is trying to teach them, this is how you live your life, and we need to come alongside our kids and say, okay, look, I see you're caught in this thinking. I see you're snagged in this thinking. Let me come alongside you. And as I do that, my goal is I just want to love Jesus. The word restored is the idea of mending together. It's like taking a broken bone or a broken net and fixing it and mending it. And as a parent, that should be one of my objections. I want to help mend. You see, sin has, has fractured and broken our world. Just like a doctor isn't disqualified to help you because he has gotten sick or he or she has broken a bone in the past, they're certainly qualified to come alongside you and fix your broken arm. The same is true for us. Yeah, we've sinned, we've messed up, we've blown it, we've made a blunder of our lives and God has calling us to love Jesus and come alongside our kids with gentleness, find them when they're caught, find them when they're struggling and restore them. These are opportunities that you and I have to come alongside our kids. You and I have opportunities to be used as an instrument of grace. These are teachable moments that we get to have with our kids, with the people around us. See, the thing is, God didn't make you a parent because you were able, but he made you a parent because he is able. And, and no matter if you, if you have kids or not, God is continually giving us opportunities to be instruments in his hands, instruments of grace to come and restore and gently come alongside them. We're not coming from on high, but we're coming alongside our kids. So how do you make sure you're ready to restore your children gently? Well, as a parent, we don't simply coexist. We are going and doing life with them. We need to be engaged. Look at verse two. Verse two says, carry each other's burdens in this way. You will fulfill the law of Christ. If anyone thinks they are something when they are not, they deceive themselves. For each one should test their own actions. Then they can take pride in themselves alone without comparing themselves to someone else. See, we need to get engaged with our kids and we need to help them carry the burden. I think one of the roles of a parent is really to go from um, an authority to an advisor. Let me show you this chart here. You see, when your kids are young, there's a lot of correction happening and there's just a little bit of instruction. And as you parent, you should be giving more and more and more instruction. As a two-year-old, in my house, I don't tell them, I don't explain to them why they should look both ways, why they shouldn't run out in the street. I just say, 
Don't run out in front of cars. Don't run out in the street. At four years old, I'm saying, okay, look both ways before you go out there. And I'm starting to give them more instruction, more instruction, more freedom. As a 10-year-old, I mean, if you want to stick the fork in the light socket, go ahead. That's fine with me. I'm just kidding. <laughs> Wouldn't do that. But we're starting to, to loosen up. We're starting to let consequences teach. And we're starting to give more and more instructions. We're explaining the why and all that. Because what happens if I just go straight across and I give lots and lots of correction, just lots and lots of correction all the way through until they're 18 and 20 years old. That's rules and rules and rules and rules with no instruction, no explanation. That's legalism. And Paul's saying it's not about all of these rules. You are free in Christ the opposite is true too, right? If there's lots and lots of instruction and no correction, you just let your kids high fl fly high and just do whatever they want. That is chaos. So the goal is you would continually change as you parent. Your role is evolving. Your role is changing as your kids get older. The level of engagement should look different as your kids grow older and the instruction and the support and the encouragement, that should be increasing. And your correction slowly fades away because they're getting older and you're letting those kids learn as they interact with the natural consequences of life. And so start to relax those rules a little bit. I know some parents, they just, they push down really hard and then all of a sudden they let up that's not helpful either. And sometimes we see it, it's just flipped upside down. It's, hey, they're just flying high. They're doing whatever they want. And then you just, everyone cracks down hard. And it, it should be a gradual change. And this is no um, science. It's more art. You know, we're, we're figuring this out as we go, as we parent. I've heard it said there's really four stages of parenting. Uh, number one, there's the discipline phase, zero to five. You're just telling them, here's the parameters. Here's the boundaries. This is what you're going to wear. This is what you're going to eat. These are the rules. This is what time you're going to bed, right? And slowly, you move into the training stage. They're six, seven, eight, nine, 12 years old. That's kind of like you're on the ball field, right? You're, you're teaching them in the arena of life. Here's the play. Here's how to do life. Here's how to have a conversation. You see, when, when our kids go to someone's house, we try to remind them, we try to train them, hey, remember to say please, remember to say thank you. If someone says, hey, to one of my daughters, I like your dress, you say thank you. If they ask you, you know, what grade you're in or what do you like to, to do, look at them, answer them. Like we're training them. So when we get to that house, when they do have that conversation, they're already prepared for that. Then phase three, they're in the coaching phase, right? They're on the field. You can call plays from the sideline, but look, they can call an audible. I mean, they can do whatever they want, and you don't have a whole lot of control anymore. You can talk to them in between innings. You can talk to them after the game and, hey, how'd that go? What happened? But the idea is that you're moving towards more of an advisor, more of a mentor. Hopefully, the relational goal is that you have a friendship, that there's a, a mutual discipleship happening going on 
where you're encouraging them, they're encouraging you. That's part of what parenting should look like. You know, like that day on the lake, I couldn't remove that group from the challenges. I couldn't remove them from the situations that they were in. I had to help them navigate their way through that. I had to offer them counsel and just let them make those decisions. I couldn't just take, the, take it away. I had to let consequences teach without removing them from the situation. Because I knew that they're going to encounter other situations later that week or later in life. So parents, our goal can't be to keep trials from our kids. We've got to lead them through that walk them through that and really shoulder the load with them. And so two ways we do that poorly is sometimes we get, we become conceited. We get puffed up. We are proud, right? Verse three says, if, if anyone thinks they are something when they are not, they deceive themselves. That pride makes us deceptive. It's blinding to ourselves. The other way we mess this up is we try to compare Compare ourselves to others. Compare our kids to others. Verse 4 says, each one should test their own actions. Then they can take pride in themselves alone without comparing themselves. So mom, dad, we've got to stay informed. We've got to stay engaged in our kids' lives. They're in the same battles that we were. It just looks a little different. It's just a different generation. But the reality is they are facing very similar struggles that we faced when we were kids. Here's a couple questions to consider. As a mom, as a dad, are, are we interruptible? Or do we see our kids as an inconvenience? I mean, we let work interrupt us. We let friends interrupt us. We let sports and our phones and our technology interrupt us, but how often do we let our kids interrupt us? Those are moments to engage with our kids. If you see your kids as someone who can't interrupt you, or you see yourself as someone who, who's so important that they can't be bothered by their kids, we should reconsider what does it really mean to engage with them? Here's the second point. Children need parents who are engaged in their lives. Children need parents who are engaged in their lives. We have to stay engaged. And for some of you, it's just a, a re-engagement. Right? Because that relationship is kind of strained. And you're not sure if you have that relational currency anymore. If that's you, I would challenge you. I would encourage you. Try to re-engage by asking questions and not lecturing, but just getting to know who they are, what's important to them, what are they like, what, what's going on in their lives. See, the reality is we don't have as much time with our kids as we think we do. And I know everybody loves to tell parents, okay, it's gonna go by fast, and it really does. Here's a chart that shows you that. When your kids are born, you have 936 weeks with them until they turn 18. When they're four years old, you have 728 Saturdays with them. I have a, an eight-year-old. He's almost nine. I have 
less than 520 weeks with him. I've got to stay engaged with my kids. And it's a continual battle. I don't always get it right. If you have a 14-year-old, you have 208 more weeks until they turn 18. Now, there's nothing magical when a kid turns 18. You know this, right? The parenting doesn't stop. But this should show you. When I have a 16-year-old, I have 104 more weeks until they turn 18. Those are all opportunities to engage or re-engage. Continue to fight for that ground of engaging with your kids because you have an incredible opportunity to shepherd them, to walk them through, because they are in your canoe or they are in your canoe group. So what does parenting look like? I'm loving Jesus, and I'm being engaged in their lives, asking open-ended questions, learning about what's important to them, talking with them, be engaged. Then verse 5, Paul says this, for each one should carry their own load. It's the idea of carry what's in your own pack. Take care of the burdens that are in your backpack. You know, as, as we would do this wilderness trip, I would carry my own canoe. My canoe weighed around 45 pounds. Some of our packs weighed in between 60 and 70 pounds. And I would make it a point to carry my stuff through that, that trail and then come back and, and walk alongside those that were still working. Maybe take their paddles, maybe take life jackets, but I... I tried not to take their burden from them. I wanted them to, to work through that struggle. I'm carrying my own pack. And so part of that is, is really, parents, we need to be real with our kids. So that's the third point. Children need parents who are real with them. I'll give you an example. You know, when, when Andrew, my eight-year-old, was taking swim lessons, sometimes after swim lessons, I would go to Starbucks and I would drive through there and get him a hot chocolate and get myself a white chocolate mocha. Super awesome. And uh, I remember one time we were driving home and got him that hot chocolate and he spills it on himself. It's, it's not so hot that it, it hurts him or burns him or anything like that. But you know, I was frustrated that he spilled that hot chocolate. I mean, I had a, a major parenting failure. I was so frustrated that he spilled hot chocolate in my car. And when you know it, like five minutes later, God gave me the opportunity to hit a bump as I was taking a sip, and I spilled my drink. <laughs> and then I was immediately reminded and humbled, okay, Tim, you are not beyond spilling drinks in your car. You also make mistakes. We've got to be real with our kids. And I wish I could have redone that or, or undone that and had a different reaction to him. But instead, we, we've got to recognize, hey, I am just like you. I make mistakes too. I spill things. I have accidents. I, I have poor responses. I mean, how many of you have had a kid come to you the day before a project is due? It's 11.30 at night, and they say, Mom, Dad, I've got a project, and it's due tomorrow. And, you're like, and you know, like, they've had a good six months to work on this. And all of a sudden, it's 11.30 at night, and you're like, okay, what do you need? 
I need some poster board. Okay, well, you know, you know you've ordered enough from Amazon that you have some cardboard laying around. Okay, what else do you need? I need some markers. Okay, we've got that. All right, what else do you need? 12 baby chickens. <laughs> okay, I am not going to the all-night chicken farm to get you any chickens. But in that moment... I can, I can freak out and, and say, what are you doing? How, do, how, how can you be so lazy? And, or I can remind myself, hey, I have those same struggles because I too procrastinate. I mean, how many of you have a garage you can't put a car in? <laughs> exactly. We procrastinate. We don't always want to do the hard things in life. And so in those moments, we've got to be real with our kids and be authentic with them and pull back the curtain and say, look, your struggles are my struggles. I've made some of those same mistakes. I'm not going to bail you out. I'm not going to write a magical note to help you out of this. I'm going to let consequences teach, but I struggle with procrastination. I struggle with those same issues and gently walk alongside them with that. I'm not this self-righteous person. I don't always get it right. So I have to carry my pack. I have to carry it myself. And as I do that, I need to be real with my kids. As we went on that wilderness trip, one of the things I learned is it's not so much about the destination as it is the journey. As parents, we are going on this journey with our kids. And, and God wants us to love Jesus as we parent. And he wants us to engage and re-engage as we are on this journey. And he wants us to be real like that day on the lake with that group of teenagers as they were staring at the realities of what was taking place on this trip. They were seeing the difficulties and the challenges that were ahead of them. The question is not what can we do, but what will we do? As parents, we all have next steps. And maybe that next step is figuring out, okay, what does it look like to love Jesus even more in my parenting and let my love for Jesus to overflow with my kids. Or maybe for you, it's, it's hey, I've got to engage or I've got to re-engage. I think about engaging with my kids as, as really gaining passport into their lives. I need to ask open-ended questions to learn about them, to continually learn about them because they're learning and they're growing and they're developing as people. I don't know everything about my kids, and they're continually having experiences. I've got to help them process those through the lens of Scripture. And so here's some ways we can engage. Uh, one, I would say bring them to church and talk to them about what they're learning. If your kids are in, are in the B Kids ministry, talk to them today about what they're learning. If they come to the youth group or they're here in the service with you, talk to them. Hey, what stuck out to you? What resonated? What, what did you learn today? Engage with them. Another way is, is read the Bible with your kids. Do some kind of family devotion. I'm not talking about a sermon or a Sunday school lesson I'm talking about really, really simple. You know, you could grab one of the on-track devotions that we give our, our high school kids, or you could just say, okay, whatever the date is, today is June 19th, so read Psalm 19. 
Yesterday we read Psalm 18 with my kids. We've also been reading through the book of Esther periodically. And I'm talking like two days a week, three days a week. Something is better than nothing. When is the best time to do that? I have no idea for you and your family. Maybe it's in the morning before everybody's up and out of the house. Maybe it's in the afternoon when everybody's back. Maybe it's during dinner time. Maybe it's right before bed. Figure out what that looks like. But make it simple. Maybe it's two minutes, five minutes, ten minutes. And we, didn't even, we don't even read all of the passage. We'd read like three or four verses. And we talk about it. Ask a couple questions and see where the dialogue goes, but it's our job to lead our kids spiritually. It's our job to engage with them. Third, we can engage with our kids by asking questions and not lecturing them. Ask them questions like, hey, what was going on? When that happened, what, what was going on? Or, hey, when that happened, what were you thinking or what were you feeling? I'm trying to drill down on what was going on in their heart. Or why did you respond that way? Or how did you respond well, I was, I, was, I was angry. What was happening there? What were you thinking about? Well, they took my truck, so I hit them with it. Okay, now I know. That's mine. Like that's spewing out of their heart. And if we don't shepherd those kids well, that becomes the kid who is angry and, and yells or punches his boss. That becomes the kid who just freaks out on his family. It, we've got to engage and shepherd our kids, so ask questions about, hey, what was the result? Figure out a way to ask good questions, open-ended questions that can't be answered with a yes or a no, and look for opportunities. Lastly, we have these cards available, 31 biblical virtues to pray for the men in your life. We have these in the back and in the welcome center. Grab one of these on your way out and pray for the men in your family, the men in your life, the men in our church. Covet your prayers. And so uh, as we parent, I'm going to be honest, I don't always get it right. I don't have it perfect. But I'm striving to love Jesus more I'm striving to engage and re-engage, and I'm working at being real with my kids. Let me pray with you. Father in heaven, we are amazed by your grace. Recognize that as, as a dad, I don't always get it right. I've sinned, I've made mistakes, I have failures, and I pray that you would give me wisdom. Pray that you would give all the parents in this room wisdom that we would parent that we would shepherd our kids well, that we would learn to love you more, that we would learn to engage and re-engage with you better, and that as we do that, we would continually be real and authentic with our kids. So as we leave, as we get ready to head out into our world, into our neighborhoods and our workplaces, it's our desire that we would Make the most of these opportunities and see them as opportunities to love and restore our kids gently. Pray all this in Christ's name, amen.